On this episode of Professor Mind Prince Lurk's podcast, the funk fuck debate on. We're not debating funk or fuck as used in the song Erotic City, like trying to determine which lyrics were used depending on if it was Prince or Sheila E. But instead, we're talking about this versatile song that was either from the Purple Rain era, if you like that version, or the one that was redone and released as part of the Purple Rain sequel, Graffiti Bridge. The song I'm talking about is We Can Fuck or We Can Funk, depending on which version you're listening to. <laughs> and, and joining me on this episode, this fucktastic episode, is Julian Long. <laughs> Welcome back. Yay, to the show. yay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's a lot to live up to. I'm going to have to put on my extra sexy voice for the ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. Please. Oh, I don't, actually, you know what? Your normal voice is pretty damn sexy as it is. So <laughs> That is very kind of you. Thank you. I think the same of you. Now, you know who would be a problem on this? Uh, you you have Angel Monique guests sometimes. <laughs> yep, this I is not. A, I wouldn't be able to listen to this episode if she was doing the commentary. Would not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know her a little too personally. <laughs> a little, a little too, too personally to listen to all this sort of honey glazed. You know, she's got that southern thing going on. Be a bit much for this. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I think I think most of your viewer your your listeners will be relieved that it's it's. We'll 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 make it just sexy enough. <laughs> just sexy enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we gotta. I do have a, a probably a versatile listening um, group that comes in on. I have some children that, that listen to my show. I know this for a fact, so I have to. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not 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 little children, mind you. Okay. Teenagers, but but maybe 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 they shouldn't listen to the '84 version of this song. They should only listen to the '90s version. If if Bingo. even that, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of it's a, a lot of innuendo there. That's pretty pretty thinly veiled. Okay, so the original version of this song, which was then, of course, known as We Can Fuck, was recorded on New Year's Eve and December 31st, 1983. And then again, more work was done on the song on New Year's Day and the following day, January 1st and 2nd, 1984. This was in Sunset Sound in Hollywood. And uh, so, you know, that's the version that we're going to start talking about. That's the version on the Purple Rain Deluxe release from 2017. It's the only version of the song that is considered explicit because of the use of the word fuck instead of funk in the in the song in the title. And then in June of 86, Prince re-recorded the song, toning down the lyrics quite a bit, changing fuck to funk. And um, you know, it's it's a slower version, it's funkier, it's got the revolution. This was around that Dream Factory crystal ball era. Let's just go somewhere. We can 
why the song wasn't included as part of the sign of the times super deluxe i'm not sure i don't know if they were saving it for a graffiti bridge project and say hey here's the you know the version of weekend funk from 86 i don't know because it falls in line with those songs from that 85 86 time frame but we didn't get it on sign of the times right and and then it was updated again in 1989 um at paisley park studios without george clinton and then George Clinton added his vocals sometime in late 89, early 90. And that's the final version, the final released version of Weekend Funk that we got for Graffiti Bridge. bit of a history behind it uh the origin story is where we're going to start with we can fuck but um there's also <laughs> i i wasn't really familiar with this version but there's a version by andy allo from 2011 titled we can love and it's spelled it's preciously spelled o-u-i um oh wow yeah for we <laughs> we can <laughs> o-u-i can l-u-v so we can love it's uh acoustic it's it's really quite pretty it's a nice song she takes about two verses that were from the original version and then adds like two more of her own i assume her own i, I don't know exactly if she wrote it or prince wrote it, her lyrics for this version but there are more original lyrics on the second half of that song so it's kind of like a half cover half reimagining of the song but we're not touching that one (laughs) yeah you said it was pretty i don't yeah i mean it's 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 ever meant to be pretty no that's that's something about this song julian is is how it evolved it has evolved every time prince changes the word from fuck to funk to love it's going to evolve musically right and tonally as a result of that and um yeah the, the the version from 83 84 is not pretty whatsoever so i mean it's not but there i will say the last what two three minutes of it it gets very it gets very pretty it gets very love sexy pretty and i have a lot of thoughts about his sort of what i'm going to call ramblings at the end of that um Mm -hmm. in the in the 84 version because then the music does take this weird sort of you know spacey light Lisa Frank rainbows and clouds kind of sound and then he brings back the doom 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 and it 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 switches it a little bit. I almost forgot what song it was. Yeah, we can we can fuck is a very avant-garde almost song in terms of how it changes its musical um the musical pieces that are used in it. It's almost like two different songs in some parts. It's uh very challenging due to its length it's challenging because of how prince um towards the end of the song as you mentioned will do like a breakdown he does a spoken word section you know he's speaking to somebody like he often has done and before in songs like he's talking to somebody but you only hear one side of the conversation this is a, a kind of a i wouldn't call it a trope but it's certainly 
something Prince has done in songs where he's had one-sided conversations with usually women (laughs) in his songs. And uh, you're just like, you have to kind of fill in the blanks on what is being said on the other side, or if anything's being said, if he's just like you said, rambling. Um, And yeah, this, this version is, is very, it's very unique for that. And he, he tones it down a bit, not just the lyrics, but the music and it makes it a bit less, challenging musically and less interesting musically in my opinion but that's okay people people have their opinions uh and that's why i call it like the funk fuck debate because people are pretty divided i wouldn't say no people are like oh i hate that version versus right i love this version but they have their favorites and it isn't clear cut it's not everybody loves one version over the other it's really pretty split from my experience of the two big ones which is your favorite Ah, oh, fuck is definitely my favorite. Okay, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I, I I I consider this brilliant. I consider the song brilliant, and and I it's my favorite song from the Purple Rain Deluxe release in eighty uh, two thousand seventeen. Okay, I I prefer the funk version. It's, okay, uh, it's one I think, and we've talked about this before. Um, it's one of those things I think where the thing that you're introduced to first is the one that you just have an affinity for. But it it had sonically, while it isn't, you're right, it isn't as interesting musically, sonically, like just literally the sound of it is more appealing to me. And I like the fact that it's, I like the fact that it's shorter and a little less challenging. The We Can Fuck challenges me like I'm being, I'm being pricked many, many times with a pin, whereas We Can <laughs> Funk even though he softened the lyrics, he made the music much more aggressive. And so it was like a punch in the gut. It was like, Oh, I was not ready. Um, so, uh, and, and also I was in, uh, graffiti bridge. I was in seventh grade, eighth grade. So it, it ran into all of my hormones. (laughs) And so it just kind of, it stuck as one of those songs that was like, Oh, this is when that light bulb came on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can funk is the first version of this song that I heard because I had graffiti bridge back in the day. Right. And, uh, it, for whatever reason, that version never stuck out to me. It's, it's one of my favorite songs on graffiti bridge now, but back in 1990, that is not a song that really kind of, like I said, stuck out and, and grabbed me the way that joy and repetition or, oh God, joy, yeah, joy and repetition. Uh, you, you know, elephants and flowers, or some of the other songs that I really enjoy off that. I don't know why. I can't explain why. But then when I heard this, the you know the fuck version, we'll just call it the fuck version. Um, <laughs> you know, you know I mean, old Eddie Murphy video, like I know you. You're the fuck you man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the f the f word is just going to be said a lot in this it's, episode. It's just yeah. there's no way around it. <laughs> But when you first heard that one, that one did stand out for you. Like it just yes, yes. The switch. We can okay. fuck really stood out, and I I I get it. it's not as funky. Uh, I I totally uh, agree with anybody who says, well, you know, the '86 and '90 versions are funkier. Yeah, yeah, they are. They absolutely are. But I don't know. I mean, this is. I don't know. I it's hard to explain why. I just think I like how difficult it is. And and interesting he is. No, it is, it is, it is difficult and challenging, but there is something, I'll say this. 
what I do like about the 84 version more, and as we get into the lyrics, we'll, we'll talk about it. There's a certain sincerity in, and maybe because he's not editing down, um, but there's a certain, like, it feels real. It feels like honest-to-goodness seduction. Like like a, a a real invitation to the fucking that is to commence, whereas we can funk feels like it's being a little bit too clever, um, like it, it's playing too much. And lyrically, in, in we can funk, that is that's in a couple of places off putting. Um, but the one but the one of the reasons that we can fuck for me falls down. I called it rambling. That that spoken bit at the end, for me, loses some of that sincerity. It doesn't sound, it sounds more performative than some of the other times we've heard him do that. Mm. When we've heard those conversations in other songs, um, something about this one felt different, but I, I don't, I'm, I'll save it for when we get to those lyrics. Okay. Let's let's um, get moving because we do have a lot of lyrics to cover. <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> we do. Lot, we got a lot. a lot of lyrics to cover. The good news is, uh, between fuck and funk, there's a lot of similarities lyrically. So, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip past all the stuff that's unique to Graffiti Bridges. We can funk, and we'll save that. So, what I'm okay. going to start with and reciting are just the lyrics that are part of We Can Fuck, which anything that's similar, you know, I'll point out and say like, well, that's the same as what we got in funk, but. Uh, the differences are going to be in like the second half of the song, right? And of course, the difference in saying "fuck" versus "funk." So, <laughs> that, I mean, that little <laughs> minor detail. Yeah, yeah, just a, just a minor detail. So the first, what I'll call verse, and the thing about, again, the song is like, does it have a chorus? I suppose it kind of does. And I'll tell you what I think is the chorus, but I could tell you what other people think is the chorus. I don't know. So the first grouping of lines, we'll just call it that. Okay. I could tell you stories till you get tired. I could play with your mind, but you'd probably say that I was a liar, so I won't waste your time. And then after that is where you get what I'm kind of called the chorus is where he says, I'm scared because though we just met, there's this energy between us. Let's just go somewhere we can fuck. So we'll call it the first grouping of lines. So Prince is kind of describing a scenario where he's talking to a woman, telling her how he could play the usual mating games, you know, talking spitting game getting to know each other sometimes lying in order to get you know where to get her in bed or just to impress her as we tend to sometimes do when we're trying to bed somebody or get somebody interested in us maybe to embellish a little bit of our traits or our characteristics or our personality but he's saying like i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna waste your time by going through the motions of this quote-unquote mating game in order to have sex let's just 
skip all that because there's this energy between us that we just need to fuck <laughs> bottom line <laughs> and the i'm scared part is kind of like him emphasizing you know or saying like he's sort of a little bit intimidated by this this immediate connection that he's feeling that's kind of what i'm getting from this julian what are what are you getting i think all of that's i think all of that's real that's valid the thing that's funny to me about it though is you're right. He is kind of suggesting, you know, I'm not going to play any games. I'm not going to do all this. But this is this is some game. This is some <laughs> it's, really it's heavy next game. level game. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a whole other thing. Where it's like, even the even the I'm scared because though we just met, there's this energy between us. Like that is, I mean, that's ripped from the '70s Harry Chest Medallion game. Like that's that. <laughs> But I don't know about you, but I just feel like we need to like you've heard that, you know, somebody try and spit that before. But the way that he does it, and I think what makes it interesting is this suggestion that he is legitimately intimidated and, and, and that that vulnerability of, that's in it. In this song, I buy it. I actually buy the the suggestion of. Of vulnerability that that he's. He knows that this is the thing that, that they got to do. We got to do this because, you know, the, the energy is here. But, whew, I didn't expect this. Like, I actually kind of buy it. There's a softness in his delivery of these lines that makes it work. Um, that doesn't show up, you know, in, in the other version. So uh, I, I'm with it. And the, the, in this version, too, the, the let's go somewhere is much more pronounced. I hear it better. Um, which makes it uh it does kind of it kind of gives it that inevitability like let's just go somewhere and do this like it's gonna happen it's gotta happen and i i dig it yeah you bring up a good point from a performance perspective prince performs this version a bit quieter <clears throat> a bit more um uh like it's a bit like he's uh, telling somebody a secret you know like whispering to yeah. somebody in a club or like it's this big yeah i don't know like conspiracy that he's talking about and he doesn't want a lot of people to hear where the versions of weekend funk it's just more upfront you know the lyrics are more upfront he's not whispering them he's not kind of hiding behind the music a little bit as he is in weekend fuck and so that that's it's a subtle difference and, and like I said, the performance of it doesn't really change the lyrics per se, but right. it definitely changes maybe your interpretation of the tone or, or you know, like you're imagining <clears throat> what is it that he's doing in this moment, which could change your opinion of the song in some ways. That's a yeah, that's a big, big difference. And I, I keep thinking of this song as a part of Purple Rain. And I, I'm trying to figure, like, where in the movie would this be? Where does this sit? What part of the story is this? Because he's already done, like, the tone of We Can Funk. Well, one, we already see it in the movie, so we know how it shows up. But it, the sort of almost confront, you know, the, the aggressiveness of it is confrontational, almost. And we see that movie in Purple Rain. We see that moment when he's, you know, standing on stage and is like, uh, do you want him or do you want me because I want you? And the pointing. So it's not that. It's not that part of that relationship. And I keep wondering, like, if this is to Apollonia, when would he be doing it? What would he be saying and right. doing? 
that's the point in the movie where they decide that they need to go somewhere and fuck <laughs> right. after he performs <laughs> uh, the beautiful ones to her. And then she finds him in the alley afterwards and it's like, it's on. So yeah, that's the moment. So I don't know what else. The only other moment that could possibly even, I can even imagine would be like when she sees him on stage performing, let's go crazy at the very, very beginning. And then he's, you know, kind of doing his little stare down behind her. Right. Um, but, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't really seem to fit either. So I don't know. Good question. Maybe on the bike. Maybe on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? And the, on the way back from uh, not Lake Minnetonka. Okay, so then um, whether or not you call that a verse in the chorus or just a verse, I don't know, but that's the first grouping of lyrics. Then he moves on and says, I could say I'm sorry all my life, but that wouldn't be true. I only say and do the things that I do because I'm not you. I'm scared because though we just met, I want you so bad, baby. Ooh, don't you want to come with me? We can fuck. Second verse, Julian. Uh, Anything new or different or interesting you want to point out here? Not really. So to be perfectly honest, the storytelling of it is interesting, but for me musically, it's it's not as interesting. Um the the uh I'm scared part repeating so so soon after is honestly the only part of this verse that spoke to me then or speaks to me now i say then like it was so long ago i first heard this in 2017 like most people but <laughs> but you know what i'm true yeah 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 i mean that's you know that's six years ago now man <laughs> jesus christ superstar yeah, yeah it is <laughs> exactly exactly yeah i mean so yeah I'm, I'm with you this verse doesn't quite grab me the same way you know the first one does when he's talking about how we could play all these games and you know, he's not going to waste your time. Here's he's just like, I could tell you I'm sorry all my life. He does, I guess maybe he doesn't want to apologize for feeling the way he does, for wanting what he wants, maybe. And in the fact that he's willing to stick his neck out and say what he feels, maybe she wouldn't dare. You know, I only say and do the things that I do because I'm not you. Basically, I get from that just, I do these things and I'm saying these things because... I feel like I can, I'm in, I'm emboldened to do so. And maybe you would be less. And so even if you're feeling it, you may not be able to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to put myself out there and say, I want you so bad. Come with me. We can fuck. And, um, and I'm scared again, you know, just like you said, it's repeating. That is kind of like the touchstone of the song so far. Like if you're just kind of casually listening you're you're hearing two things you're saying you're hearing him say i'm scared because it's emphasized like he slows right. that down well again a lot of these lyrics in we can fuck are a bit obscured and hard to understand but you everybody understands the i'm scared part and we can fuck even though even mm. sometimes even sometimes we can fuck is not quite as clear as it could be 
Right. And I, it is definitely the earwig of the song, right? Like the earworm of the song is that I'm yeah. scared. The weak and fuck part when it disappears, I think is one of the things that makes the seduction of this song really brilliant is that when it's when it disappears underneath the music or in the way that he performs it, it almost makes you wonder, like, did he say that or did I just think that? Like, is he it 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 really kind of puts him in your head, which is what he's doing from the beginning of the song. Um, you know, when he's like, I could play with your mind, I really do kind of feel like you know, sonically, the way he dips and hides underneath the music, this sort of half whisper, this 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 almost shy performance of it. It's that trick of talking quietly to make her lean in. So now mm. you now you've kind of set the stage to draw her into you now what every, every she's literally sitting on the edge of her seat because everything that you're saying is either hard to hear or it just feels like it's it's so important and it adds it adds an importance to it that from the standpoint of the artist's seduction absolutely it's it's i mean it's an incredible mind fuck mm-hmm. i wonder if he it, they're so shy and scared you know yeah, so science scared, but also okay saying let's go somewhere so we can fuck and being right. so blunt so blunt, you know, like so forthcoming with their desire and, and their intention when normally like you have to play games a little bit longer than that. You can't just blurt that out <laughs> within minutes of meeting somebody and expect anything other than maybe a slap to the face or you know a drink you know, thrown in your face well i guess maybe if you're prince but um right <laughs> prince circa 1983-84 but but anyway i'm thinking like because the song or because a lot of the times when he says that phrase is so difficult to hear because of how he whispers it yeah. if you would have called this song i'm scared like you know he calls erotic city erotic city not right you can fuck or we can funk, which he could have called that there. Um, we can funk until the dawn or whatever. He could have called yeah. the song I'm scared. And then then you've got people wondering, like, did he just say that? But because the song is called We Can Fuck, and I guess and this is an unreleased song. So, yes, I know this was never released until his passing. So it doesn't really matter. And it's it's all, you know, just hypotheticals. But if the song would have been released would have found its way as a b-side or on the purple rain soundtrack if it was like this epic double album could this have been or should this have been titled something else and then leave it to listeners imagination to decipher and what he's actually saying here hmm just a thought yeah, it's, yeah. it gets pretty obvious later on but early on in the song i think it's less clear until you get further into the track and then you were like yeah yeah that's totally what he says <laughs> yeah well, this isn't something i've said many times before but what difference would it make that was them this is you well, can't you see this room is electric okay well then maybe it's me but i know the smell of desire um okay so we'll move on then so he um he has a bridge i'm gonna call it a bridge and he uh, he says, no, this isn't something I've said many times before, but what difference would it make? That was them. This is you. Why can't you see this room is electric? Okay, well, then maybe it's me. 
but I know the smell of desire and honey, it's all over you. <laughs> so here very different posture. Here. Very different posture. Yes, yes. So he's you know denying that maybe like I don't know if you, you have to imagine maybe she is kind of calling his bluff a little bit, uh, wondering if this like you said, this whole it's not a game, I'm not playing games is actually just a game. <laughs> like, you know, like you said, next level um game spitting. And she's calling him out a little bit. You have to imagine because he has to kind of get, he's on the defensive. No, this isn't something I've said many times before. I don't just tell people that, you know, there's this electricity between us and we have to see it through. Um, But he also says, but if it was, who cares? That doesn't matter because that would have been them. I'm not with them anymore. I'm talking to you. So what's, you know, again, what's the difference? What difference does it make? So what what are you besides just like how different of an approach he's taking with these lyrics? What what else do you see here? Want to talk about? So it's a character revelation thing, right? Like this is because both of these songs are related to their respective films. To you know, uh, we we saw this with the Purple Rain Deluxe, so I assume that this was something that he originally crafted for that soundtrack. And, and wanted to be a part of the story narrative. And then we actually finally see it in Graffiti Bridge, which is the sequel, air quote sequel, to Purple Rain. I, I think about the character of the kid and who who is showing up here at this part. And this is that, this is that smug motherfucker. This is that one that's just like, I already know how this is going to end. And the funny thing is he's not really, it's, it's the same message but the posture and how he's delivering is so different that it shows a different side of whoever this character is that he's being. And I, you know, I, because of, again, the association with the film, I just see this as kid, but the lines that I love, I love that last line, but I know the smell of desire, honey, and it's all over you. It's just so, it's one of those goddamn kind of like, it's it's shameless in how in 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 its worrying, it's definitely gonna knock somebody a little bit off their posture, you know, off their off their position. Uh, that's mm-hmm. gonna knock some, that's gonna knock a woman out of her square. If she's if he starts this first defensive, he ends on the offensive. He starts mm, off yes. like, no, no, I never said this before. But then he very quickly pivots like, but then what difference does it make? And he tells on himself that was them. So it's like it's not if, <laughs> if if you never did this before, then what you mean that was them? You, you gave him the benefit of the doubt with the conditional. You said that would have been, but he told on himself that was them. Yeah, he did tell on himself, didn't he? <laughs> this, is, this is you. Um, he also does bring in this interesting theme that I like that kind of uh, dips in and out of the rest of the song with electricity. This room is electric. Later on, this electric ass and electric thighs, and mm-hmm. this is the kind of shit that only he can get away with. Like I'm gonna try it. I'm going to try it the next time I'm feeling really bold and be like, girl, you got an electric ass. But I don't think it's going to work because I mm-hmm. really think only he can say stuff like that. But I am I am kind of interested in why he introduces electricity um, and and the words that he attaches it to is kind of weird. Um, I love that well, he gets you can't, you can't, that. you can't forget electric intercourse. So, like, yeah, totally. It's just he's oh, got this right. on his brain. Mm-hmm. Clearly, yeah. 
And it's like, he's got this, uh, he's clearly rebuffed after that because he's like, can't you see this room is electric? She does not agree. He's like, oh, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the electricity. Um, is what I take it as. He could be saying, maybe I'm the only one who sees the room as electric, but I think he's saying, no, I'm, maybe I'm bringing the electricity. But whatever it was, whatever that slight little rebuff is, he pivots so hard into this, this offensive that you know if, there, if there's a woman in this, if this were actually played out in a visual, you know what she would demure. You know this would be like a look down, touch the decolletage kind of moment if he's not getting slapped in the face. This is, this is the definitive moment. Either you're getting slapped in the face or y'all are eventually headed to one of them rooms. Because mm-hmm. once, he, once he drops that line, it's just, it's so aggressive. But his delivery of it, again, like I said before, his performance here is so different that he manages to make it sound less aggressive than, than it actually is. But it really is. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And the aggressiveness that he exhibits in this bridge continues on with the next verse and so like the first two verses he's talking about how scared he is and how he doesn't want to play the games and you know he's he's being blunt because he doesn't think that she can admit it but now again he's 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 got these lines that he's using on her that he's trying to like seal the deal i guess is to, to use a common phrase and he's hoping that it's going to work. And, and now we're get, I'm getting a little bit of shades of, of you know, Morris's, Morris Day's character in Purple Rain with some of these next lines. I could tell you things to get you excited, things you never heard. Oh, you know the Kama Sutra? I could rewrite it <laughs> with half as many words. <laughs> so I'm just going to pause there. Um, so th- that just, again, that just get, brings to mind like when Morris is sitting at the table in Purple Rain talking to Apollonia about his mansion and his brass waterbed and his, you know, his chef and all this shit that obviously is not real. Um, this is kind of like a little bit of that where, you know, hey, remember, you know, the Kama Sutra, right? That 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 uh, Indian uh, book about lovemaking, erotic fiction or whatever, erotic literature. Uh, I could do that, but, you know, half as many words. So, like, I'm efficient. I'm the bomb. I'm basically <laughs> I, I can I can do what you need me to do but we don't need to waste all this time, right? Like these, I think he's just trying to say, I don't, we don't need to waste as much time. Let's not waste time. Wasting time is not what this song is about. He wants to get down to it and wants her to make a choice. There's an expression that, that I use a lot. A lot of folk around my age, my culture use a lot of it. Which is, I can show you better than I can tell you, which is effectively, depending on the context that you hear it in, is effectively a threat. It's, you really don't want the answer to this because it, it, it normally the other side of that is an ass whooping. 
If somebody's <laughs> like, I can show you better than I can tell you, that's the threat of an ass whooping. This has, I can show you better than I can tell you energy. Saying, you know, the Kama Sutra, I could rewrite it with half as many words is, I can show you better than I can tell you, but it's not ass whooping, it's ass clapping. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, but it's, but it's, very de- it's very definitively him saying, like you said, like, I know everything that needs to, needs to happen. Um, I love the mirroring of verse three versus verse one, right? So at first it's, I could tell you stories till you're tired. Then it's, I could tell you things to get you excited, things you've never heard. So when you look at that first verse, um, you know, tired is like tired lines, tired, spitting tired lines. Here he's saying, you know, I can say, I can say some shit to you like you've never heard. But he still doesn't actually do it. He's still talking in that conditional. Um, I could rewrite the Kama Sutra. I could tell you things like that. And then he comes back to this I'm scared, which at this point, given all of everything else that he said, eh, no, I don't believe you. I don't don't believe that you're scared. I believe that you recognize that this works. But yeah, when he when he starts this this first half of I guess we're calling this verse chorus, um, this 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 third verse is a beautiful mirroring to the first verse. And we at some point we went through the looking glass somewhere around that spoken interlude. We went through the looking glass and that character changed. And now we're getting somebody who is really fucking confident about what they're going to do and wants you to know that confidence. Which makes the you know, which makes the chorus part, the I'm scared part, a little bit weird, because you just got through talking about all this, you know, talking all this woo woo about what you're capable of. The fuck you got to be scared for? So, but we haven't crossed those lyrics yet. So yeah, well, I'll just say them now because then after he says about the Kama Sutra, which I'll just point out just as a interesting little Easter egg, that was the name of. The one and only album released by the NPG Orchestra in like 1997-ish, around the Crystal Ball era, was Kama Sutra. Wow. So he still, yeah, he still had Kama Sutra on the brain about 14 years later, give or take. Um, but then he says, I'm scared. If I don't kiss you, I'm going to go mad, baby. Take off my clothes. We can fuck. So again, I think the I'm scared part, while that is repeated as it does in all of the other verses, this time, you, you know, I don't, it's not that I'm scared because, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of this energy that I'm right. experiencing with you. And I'm, I'm afraid that, you know, if I don't act on it, that, um, you know, I'm going to go crazy here. It's just like, I'm scared because... I'm so horny. I want to kiss you and you, you need to take off. It's just, it, to me, it's not like I'm scared. I'm, it's just, he's just saying at this point because he is either, you know, wanting to Prince, the writer of the song wants to continue with the theme of being scared and using that as a kind of like a chorus or just a, like a touch point common thread for each of these different verses. But as the character, like if you're on the receiving end of that, Again, you're just getting the getting his confidence back to you. I'm scared, but not because I'm actually scared to kiss you. It's because I'm going to go crazy if I don't kiss you. Right. And this his next line is like, take off my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely more warning than than confession. The first one, 
the first one had that sort of vulnerability behind it. But this is what's also interesting here is, you know, pointing out what comes next after after his first I'm scared. Um, and, you know, his and then he he rationalizes it. Um, first time it's because there's a synergy between us and he makes he makes a suggestion. Let's go somewhere. After the second I'm scared, his rationalization is I just I really, really want you. So we've moved from this sort of I don't understand what's happening here, too. I'm very clear on what's happening here. I'm just maybe intimidated by the intensity. And then after that, it's a, it's a question. It's another suggestion, but it's, it's more in the form of a question. Don't you want to? And then this third one, after he rationalizes it, and it's not really a rationalization at this point. It's a take heed. It's, a, it's almost like the transformation is happening and I, I don't know. I'm not maybe I'm not going to be able to control myself. I don't know. <laughs> and then it's the first direct order. It's the it's I'm no longer asking you. I'm no longer. It's not that he's not. I, I don't want to say that it's it's um, coercive. I don't feel like it's there. But this time it's it, it's already a foregone conclusion. Everything else was, you know, you want to, or maybe we should just do this. This time is take off my clothes, which has such a, a force behind it. And the interesting thing is it's take off my clothes, not take off your clothes. Mm -hmm. What makes that interesting to me is this is still, as is often the case with, I think, Prince, the, the artist, right? The, the author of this song, Prince, and in the, a number of the characters that show up in his songs, he wants to be chosen. It's always still like, no matter how much he, he pushes, no matter how much he seduces, no matter how much he, he works the situation, he still wants the person that he is giving attention and energy to, to choose him directly. Um, take off my clothes is different than take, you know, take off your clothes, which would feel, I think, uh, I think that would that would cross a line that would feel coercive. But here he's still making this person like you have to choose me. You come do this thing and you show me that this is what you want to. It's mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to think because there I know even in uh, one of the other songs that we talked about, this prince needing to be chosen came up and I can't remember what it was. But I, I find this shift really, really interesting. Like it, it the more the more we kind of unpack this i really do see it as prince through the looking glass like there's a version of who he's pretending to be or who he might want to believe he is and then there's who he knows he is and as we move through verses one through three we come out on the other side with this very confident i know exactly who i am and i need you to know it too yeah and it's really smart of him to whether it was intentional or just because that is who he was as a, a person and a songwriter to make it so much like you have to choose me and whether that's because of insecurities or and he really wanted it to be about him and not constantly like to be the pursuer but also to be pursued so he's clearly the pursuer in this song but at the end when it's time to finally fuck, <laughs> which is what he's been, you know, getting towards and, and moving towards this whole time. The final act, the final decision of whether or not that happens, he's putting it on 
her by asking her to take off his clothes. And if she doesn't do so, then guess what? They're not fucking. And it's pretty clear that she's made her choice. So, right. Yeah, it's smart. It's good. It's good writing. Um, anything else you want to talk about there? No, I was just thinking, like, you're right. You're right. When you said it's good writing, it reminds me that, you know, at the end of all of this, underneath all the musicianship, he is also very much a writer. And it's crazy to see character development over the course of a song. He's done <laughs> yeah. here in three verses what some people don't manage in entire screenplays. It's, it's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the, basically the the first half of the song. The music changes now. Right. Uh, I mean, he he has a little bit. I'm not going to go through like all the little ad libs about let's turn on some lights and come here and we can fuck. But then he gets to this. Um, st- music starts to change a little bit. It hasn't completely changed yet. It changes a little bit even more later. But he has this whole breakdown section where he's still singing. This isn't spoken words. You can blow the candle off, baby. You can turn the candle off. But he says lines like, you can blow the candle off, baby. You can turn the candle on. Whichever one you choose is all right, because I'm going to do it all night long. Do you want to undress me, baby, or shall I undress you? You can leave your clothes on if you want to, and I'd still do what I want to do to you. between two people is all right whether they're in love or not Ooh, as long as they're not trying to hurt nobody just as long as it's hot good lord baby i want to make love to you two times maybe three and i'm skipping like all the whoops and the screams that he does here and if you want to go two go four or five baby that's all right with me Let me tell you now, I say I want to be a little baby. I can be a big, strong man. I can be a girl, a boy. I can be your toy. All you have to do is ask. It's up to you. You can fuck me, baby. I'll fuck you, yeah. We can fuck one another, whatever you want to do.
got an electric ass, baby. You got an electric thighs, baby. I can't wait no longer, child. It's getting stronger. Open up your eyes. this gold chain around my waist i want to give it to you when people tell me i got no taste they'll blow the candle out we'll see if it's true (laughs) okay so he starts and ends this whole long section talking about candles i just want to ask you julian what there's clearly i think a euphemism going on here um what what do you think the euphemism is i mean I feel like I feel like we're pretty obviously dealing with candle penis here. (laughs) And if that's the case, if if his penis here is a candle, I find it really fascinating that she's electricity. She's got electric ass. He's over here with an Amish candle penis. She's over here in the in the modern world with her electric ass and thighs. It was like, how 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 are they gonna make this work? How illuminated is this room going to be at the end of the day? Oh uh, yeah, well, but if he, if she if she continues to blow out his candle, not very illuminated, <laughs> right? Exactly. But um, but her electric ass though is going to be enough to light up the room. That'll so that'll right. light the way for all of us. Exactly. <laughs> it's just size. it's interesting that he did that. Um, and and he clearly did it intentionally because the very first line is "Wait a minute, let me turn on some lights." So there's something about light here turning off lights in the office to blow out the candle you can turn it on and then um he does some work in this verse it actually negates some of what we just talked about because while he does say whichever one you choose is all right then when we go back to the point that we were just talking about with the uh take off my clothes and the undressing he he does make it clear that whether she takes off her clothes or not he's still gonna do some things that that Mm -hmm. line um Undress me, babe. Shall I undress you? You can leave your clothes on if you want to, and I'll still do it all to you. I mean, on one hand, it's it's suggesting kind of the, I mean, there's a there's a power uh, shift in sex depending on who gets naked first, right? Like there's a certain real, um, there's a there's a real vulnerability that comes with nakedness, and there's even you know there's even uh, there's whole genres of 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 porn that are about one party being clothed and the other not and the power dynamic that happens here. So in a way it's like, he's suggesting that if she leaves her clothes on, he'll be the the naked one, the vulnerable one, and he'll be in a service position, which I, you know, I think that part is interesting. And then he goes on into this, this sort of unnecessary justification that the, the shift in lyrics when we get to the other version is, is really interesting too. Cause he's, he he justifies the sex between two people is all right. Now, I I don't have confirmed evidence of this, but I feel fairly certain that the man we know as Prince has definitely had sex with two plus people at at least some point in his life. <laughs> but here, you know, his his Amish ways, he's sex between two people is all right. But then he hits you with the whether they're in love or not, and I find that's it interesting. Really, yes, that's yeah. Awesome. Yep. Especially given that he changes it in uh, in the Weekend Funk version, and I have lots of questions about why that changes. Um, 
But but then as he builds that sort of intensity, as long as they're not trying to hurt nobody, as long as it's hot, all of this part, you know, this this we see crossover in both of the both of the versions. But that that power structure thing that we talked about comes up again with you can fuck me, baby. I'll fuck you. We can fuck one another. What to do like this is, again, kind of assigning there's that, that assigns power to it. That someone is the is the the fucker and someone is the fucky. Someone is getting fucked, and someone is doing the fucking. Or we could do it together. The the title of the song and the the overtures that he makes in the beginning of the song suggest that initially his intent is always for it to be uh, sort of an, a, a partnership. But as we've moved through, as this character becomes more urgent, as he becomes more confident. He's basically saying, however you want to play this, I'm good. I can I can play this from any angle. I can be I can be your little bitty baby. I can be a big strong man. You can fuck me. I can fuck you. But some fucking going on. Like this is mm-hmm. this is this is a man who has has hit a point of almost uh there's there's an almost frenzied nature to to the to the lyrics here. But it's still underlined with all of this confidence in essentially his prowess. Um, you know, two times, maybe three, you want to go four or five. I've never, listen, I, I've had a fair amount of sex in my life. I've never entered the conversation with, we can go four or five. I <laughs> Listen, and I got no yeah, problem yeah. saying you that. You don't start got, with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not coming into the room promising five rounds, no. Yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe that's, I have a couple. A fool, energy that's a drinks. foolish man's game. <laughs> exactly. So you know, this is a man who who clearly knows what he's about. If he's a like, you want under go promise five, over deliver, right. Julian. Always <laughs> under promise over deliver. That's how, that's how <laughs> I learned it, and so that makes me terrified for what this man who's saying four or five is all right. What was he delivering? <laughs> <laughs> right. This talk about burning that candle at both ends, you know. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah i mean it's like he's almost offering too many choices like he you said you said the use the word frenzied and that is i think a very apt term to use here because he's just all over the map here all over the place be a little baby big strong man i could be a boy i could be a girl we could do it twice we could do it three times we could do it four times uh you could fuck me i could fuck you i mean it's just like a little bit off off the rails in terms of like where he's what he's trying to offer this woman in this moment uh he, he's almost like giving her too many it's like looking at a menu and you're at a restaurant and you've got like this five page menu and you're like damn this is like gonna five take me a while page. to no, get through all these on the cheesecake factory where you got to go to <laughs> yeah. chapter one and chapter two of the menu <laughs> <laughs> it's just almost too many choices and i think he needs to just like narrow it down for her but anyway that's just my opinion um i do want to go back to the whole Sex between two people is all right, whether they're in love or not, because I feel like this is a prince who wrote the song before he had his epiphany at some point in 84. I think it was 84 where he started to devalue casual sex and value more sex between people in love and love is greater than sex sex love is more important than sex he he emphasizes this during the purple rain tour during like the god section 
It's emphasized on Around the World in a Day, the album he was writing in 1984. But the man who wrote this is still kind of like that. Shit, huh. yeah. I mean, you know, sex is great. I don't. I mean, as long as it's mutual, it don't matter if you're in love or not. Uh, I love casual sex. Let's just <laughs> go roll with it, you know. And 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 I don't think he's like I said. I don't think he's had that epiphany yet when he wrote this song. That's that's kind of my take. Yeah. No. Totally. And it's trying to follow trying to follow the evolution of Prince's, you know, the, again the artist and the author's character and the the changes that 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 individual went through and trying to match it to the music is so difficult because he'll write something when he's in one mindset leave it and then pick it up and perform it when he's in a different stage of his evolution but not not all the time does the does the song change sometimes the song stays where it was when he wrote it he just performs it and that's why i think he he performs stuff in character sometimes to kind of give himself a way out to to leave the to leave the artistry intact even if that's not his personal values anymore but i don't think moving forward i don't think he writes from those places but it's always kind of hard to pin down like the version of prince that that we know from graffiti bridge we know that he went through a very significant spiritual transformation by then like that that is transparent um and yet even with the modifications to the song, in some ways, to me, it's a lot nastier. This song seems to struggle with, it seems to struggle with, with the desire throughout, even, to, even after, after he reveals himself as this sort of confident man with this prowess, this, I'm, I'm good with five times and I can play whatever role you need me to, there still seems to be this struggle with, um with first the intensity uh the intensity of the need as you get to the end of it you know i can't wait no longer child is getting stronger i just i just i gotta give this to you like all i mean i know he's talking about the chain but uh, also you know the other it all of that seems to be fraught um and i think you know if i'm if i'm looking at prince as the player looking at prince here as the aggressor the 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 you know the sort of slick version of him then i read all of this as i'm going to get your submission by overwhelming you i'm going to give you so many options so many choices so many different ways to look at this that you're you know to to quote steve urkel i'm wearing you down baby like i think <laughs> that's where he's going with that if i look at this as someone literally out of control and that is to say they're have they have skill and prowess but they're they have so much of it they don't know what to do with it that it if they aren't controlling it it's controlling them then this last part this whole section before we get to the part that i i glibly called ramblings feels not just like the climax i mean it's obviously giving you climax energy but it feels like almost a last de desperate effort to find a way to to make this work where he can maintain control of something that he feels like might be in control of him and i know i'm reading a lot into it but both of the both versions of these songs exist so heavily in the world of subtext. Like there is the context of where he was in his life. There's the actual, you know, the lyrics that we discuss here, but so much of it exists in the space of subtext. 
of of what people are feeling but can't necessarily find the way to say and i feel like there's i feel like there's a lot of room for that kind of interpretation in that section and it does i think make if we if we regard it that way it makes that that last outro um especially given the last the, the very very last line of the last outro um it gives it a certain character uh, a certain it, it gives it a personality that makes sense for someone who has just gone through this very fraught moment mm-hmm. yeah well well said and before we get to that the final outro you know the, the spoken word section after the the frenzied and the fraught lyrics and the music building and building and building and building the last lines of that section i have to give props i have to repeat it and give it props when people tell me i got no taste then blow <laughs> the candle out we'll see if it's true <laughs> it's really clever it's, it's really fucking clever <laughs> yeah it's fucking clever yeah. man I, it's, it's fantastic it <laughs> okay <clears throat> i just had to repeat it because i went through a lot of lines i'm like i gotta go back through this one just just to emphasize it okay. it's absolutely worth it I, and I, i'm so, sure i hope everybody <laughs> caught it like if you didn't catch it just go back and listen to the song again yeah and knowing what the candle likely is so yeah just keep that in mind all right so anyway so then it kind of you know at the end of that it it, it just kind of ends and it gets quiet again the music gets quiet and um and now he has a spoken word section where it's kind of almost like towards the end of doomy baby when he's talking to his lover after like in a post-coital scenario this is excellent no no it really is it's like i'm sorry it's just i don't know i just never felt this way before no i'm really happy really well i guess i met you and i i just don't deserve you because you're so special no i'm not not like you yet. Well, I guess I met you and I I just don't deserve you because you're so special. No, I'm not. Not like you. I mean, you're perfect. You really are. There's so many things I want to do with you. So many things I want to do for you. So many things. Listen, don't ever let anybody hurt you. No, you don't have any reason to feel insecure. You're the best. There are so many things I want to do with you. So many things I want to do for you. So many things for you. Listen, don't ever let anybody hurt you. No, you don't have any reason to feel insecure. You're the best. And if you believe that, never mind them. No one can ever hurt you. Yes, I love you. I know it sounds strange, but I do. 
I love you. I know it sounds strange, but I do. I do. I knew I loved you the split second before we kissed. Oh, darling, kiss me now. Oh, baby, please fuck me again. And he repeats that. Again, I, I take this to be like a postcoital conversation that he's having with her. Uh, you know, it was everything that he had hoped it would be and that he expected it would be based off of all the buildup and all of the electricity and all of the previous lines you know he had a lot of confidence went in with it a lot of confidence he was sounds like he was really pleased with not only how it went but actually how that connection remains and it wasn't just about the sex any like if it was just about the sex before now i'm getting like no he's he's got some feelings now like he's feeling something uh after this you know this experience with her and he's really vulnerable here and the 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 cockiness is completely gone like it's yeah. wiped away absolutely gone there's no uh, semblance of uh, the cocky man that picked her up and we're using lines like ah the kama sutra i can write that in half as many words because now he's talking about how amazing she is she, he's got these feelings that are you know basically tripping him up a little bit uh, knocked him on his on his ass so to speak right and he just wants to do things for her like he just imagines him almost in certain in some ways in servitude to her because she's so special she's so amazing she's perfect and you imagine she's like oh well you're great too and like no no not like you no not like you <laughs> i only again you, if, if, if you're s- I'm, <laughs> I'm regular right. i'm just a normal guy um the, the, the cynic the cynic of course could still say he's still on his game but i don't know i don't i don't get that at all here i don't get that he's still on his game i get that he's been knocked off his game and this is him truly being vulnerable and exhibiting some self-deprecation in some ways mostly not because he thinks that he's not all that but just that she's just on a pedestal at this point right like who the hell could uh, you know match up, measure up to somebody who's perfect, perfection, which calls it you're perfect. Um, and also, like you don't have any reason to feel insecure. Like I don't know if she you know said something or did something or acted a certain way to make him feel that she was a little bit insecure about whatever. But he's trying to reassure her that is absolutely ridiculous. You have nothing to feel insecure about. Nobody should, you can't let anybody hurt you because you're just better than everybody. That's kind of what I'm getting from this. And then when he says, please fuck me again, you know, he's kind of like, it's it's a bit desperate. Like, (laughs) I want to feel this again with you. Please fuck me again. And he's whispering it a bit, you know, again, he's back to his little whispering prince, uh, not, not the, the forthcoming and, brash and bold 
prints that we had in the middle of the song. So that's kind of my take on this section, Julian. What's yours? So I have two, I'm, I'm of two minds on this. Lyrically, I 100% agree with you that this is, this is a very vulnerable posture. That his, you know, he's been knocked off his square. He's head over heels. One of the things that I, I, I love, actually, is what's missing uh, in, in this section where he says, there's so many things I want to do with you. There's so many things I want to do for you. So many things. What he never says is so many things I want to do to you. And there's very much a do to you uh, posture in this in the breakdown right before it, right? Like he literally says, and I'll still do it all to you. But here, to your point, he's in this sort of service and compliance and and awe and admiration. And uh, there's there are two things that I find interesting. One is the obsession with uh, her perfection. The other is this this concern about her being hurt. Um, he says, listen, don't ever let anybody hurt you. And then a few lines later, he says, no one can ever hurt you. And then in, in within that, there is too that, you know, you don't have any reason to feel insecure, which I think, you know, can speak to emotional hurt. All of that is a very different character than the frenzied person that we just dealt with. This is, this is Jekyll and Hyde shit right here, right? Like we are now back to, you know, the, the beast emerged, the beast performed. And now, uh, you know, we, we've got, we've got the man sort of shrinking into a, a very different posture where the, and, and I think, you know, realistically as grownups, we can relate to that. There is that, you know, there's a sort of, a literal and figurative deflation that happens after big performance. And I think, in that sort of post-coital um, bliss, we see a different character. All of that. Oh, and the, one other thing, I find it really interesting that he notes here that one, he he that it's though it's unusual, he claims to love this person, and then claims to have known that the split second before they kissed, asks for a kiss again, which you know seemingly would confirm that love. But then before that kiss happens, puts the brakes on, says, wait, fuck me again, which is backward to the way that we think about it usually, right? Like kiss first, fuck next, or not, maybe not immediately next, but sometimes <laughs> yeah. in, in, there, there's a progression, then kissing is usually first. And here yeah. he's like, before you give me that second kiss, that's going to, you know, that moment before I knew or will know that this is love. He's asking for the fuck again, which is maybe do you, this is going. I'm going to make two comparisons of Prince to Michael Jackson in this conversation. This is one uh, comparison. Number one, this is maybe kind of like that moment at the end of Thriller where you feel like everything's OK. And then he turns and you see the glowing eyes. And it's like, ah, he's still the beast. He's still the monster. <laughs> and I feel like that sort of even though there's a desperation there, I can't decide uh, if that desperation is from this very, very humbled man who is so in love and so enthralled with this perfect woman, or it's closer to that desperation of do this before I can't control it again. I, oops, I just felt it bubbling up again. I'm not going to be able to control it. I'm scared. Please fuck me again. Um, mm. Comparison number two to Michael Jackson. 
So I said earlier I was of two minds about this section. Lyrically, I 100% agree with you. Performatively, this part sounds sounds so insincere to me because we've heard him do this a number of times. There are times when we've heard him have these one-sided conversations and I've literally like checked my checked my headphones or checked my speak like do I have the volume why am I not cuz I just knew there was another person talking because there was a a a, a sort of authenticity or sort of realness to it. This sounds so much like a performance, and to my ear, he sounds like Michael Jackson. He sounds like Michael Jackson at the beginning of um, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. That, that, uh, that little preamble that he does at the beginning of that song, and there's a couple of other songs where MJ does this talk, where he's supposed to be talking to, talking to a lover, and it just doesn't sound real. And I know I'm breaking a cardinal saying comparing Michael Jackson and Prince. Like <laughs> ever since the eighties, we wasn't supposed to do that, but there's something about his delivery here that takes away from the writing. The way that it reads does feel very much like, Oh wow, this guy has been turned out and he's just, he's ready to just be a human being. The way that it sounds it sounds like he's playing with somebody, like he's pretending the part. So I'm, I'm really, I'm on the fence about it. And this, this last section, for all of its intrigue, for all the interest that it adds to the song, is part of the reason why I'm just. I, it, this is part of why I'm. By the, by the time we get here, I'm kind of tired of the song. It's part of the <laughs> reason why we can funk. Is I prefer that one um, because this section. It just it it exhausts me a little bit. It's necessary um, from a storytelling standpoint. It's absolutely necessary for this character that he's built, this scenario that he's put up, this this massive climax, ha, massive climax that happens in the breakdown. It needs a denouement. It needs a coming down and 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 sort of an epilogue of sorts. Um, it's necessary for the story that this song tells, but. In terms of the way it sounds and the performance part of it, I, I'm a little tired by the time we get here. Yeah, and this spoken word section is in no other version. So it was definitely part of the song that was that was stripped, that was cut, put on the cutting room floor when he revisited the song for Week in Funk in 86 or the you know, 89, 90 version. Um, so... Uh, you know whether or not he felt it was necessary or just felt like it weighted this you know weighted the song down a little bit too much like we we all love computer blue the hallway speech version but there's a lot going on there and you know he had to make some edits uh for the album and it's this is no different like you got to cut something can't throw right. another 10 10 plus minute song on a already double album soundtrack for graffiti bridge we got to got to cut some stuff so and he'd already done it for 86 so it's like i'm not bringing that back for the 89 90 version so let's talk like, graffiti bridge oh sorry yes go ahead. you ready well, no it, it actually works yeah i'm definitely ready i was gonna say i feel like when he made this song if he made this for the purple rain soundtrack i feel like this was somebody who didn't know how soundtracks were put together <laughs> um to, yeah. to think that this song was going to be on there is is insane <laughs> or the original computer blue like that what right <laughs> i love it but like to no. think you were gonna put that on there is, is is ridiculous and i feel like by the time graffiti bridge came around 
one, he wanted this story to be a part of that character story. So he wanted to get the song in there. But two, Graffiti Bridges version was somebody who knew how soundtracks worked. Somebody who knew yeah. what you could and couldn't get on because the way, you know, while the ratings uh, you, you know, we, we had by then all the sort of stickers and labels and concerns and stuff like that for what, you know, what musicians were allowed to say. And Prince had definitely gone through his own transformation. But the way that studios evaluate songs that you can get away with on a regular album versus songs that are going to go on a soundtrack album are very different. And there's no way we can fuck any iteration of it that had the word fuck prominently was going to be a soundtrack song. But the not version that mainstream he, soundtrack, no. <laughs> yeah, not a mainstream sound now, but the version that we get, I think in some ways is a concession. And I think in other ways it's a big fuck you. I think it's, you know, a bit of a middle finger that he didn't get the original one. Um and and that's why I think we get this what occurs for me as really, really just aggressive in your face fuck you in the in the opening chorus okay so what we get that's different right off the bat for graffiti bridges we can funk he has like this uh kind of chant jump them and funk them pump them and funk them we can funk uh okay sure we can i don't know what jumping them and funking them means but pump them and funk them yeah, that's a little oh, more obvious same, to me. Yeah, it's the same thing. He's basically okay. just saying the same thing in a bunch of different ways. <laughs> okay, so, but the, the part of this song, and okay, so the, just for, for context, this song features George Clinton. George Clinton, obviously the uh, singer songwriter, leader of Parliament Funkadelic, amazing 70s and 80s, early 80s, uh, funk and rock outfit, outfits, plural. Uh, and so, you know, George has got this larger than life persona, uh, his, 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 um, you know, artistic persona on album covers and on stage outlandish, uh, outfits, you know, diaper wearing spaceship exiting, <laughs> you know, like this just crazy person that, you know, uses his, his own language, his songs have its own language. Atomic Dog, another song from the early 80s where you've got like this imagery of, you know, he's just saying, uh, why must I be like that? Why must I chase the cat? It's nothing but the dog and me. So he's liking himself to a dog. So this next section, I'm testing positive for the funk. I'll gladly pee in anybody's cup. And when your cup overflow, I'm testing positive and I'll pee some more. Yep. <laughs> so we're getting a big George Clinton vibe from this song now. This none of that, of course, was in the '86 Weekend Funk with the Revolution. So this is either, and this is kind of like I don't know which one it is because this song is credited to both Prince and George Clinton, and I've never, I've never listened to any interviews of George talking about the writing of this song to know like was that his input? Like, did he write that? For Prince or for this song, or did Prince like try to write this in in a manner that would be fitting for George's performance? I, I don't know which is which, to be honest. It's I yeah, I can't tell. And there's so much about this. I mean, it really is uh it it, it is a perfect blend of the two of them. It's it's to me, it's it's crazy how 
I can't distinguish anything in particular that I would say, oh, that's definitely George Clinton. Like maybe the maybe the jump them and funk them, pump them and funk them, because it does have that sort of uh, chant like rhythm that Clinton was very, um, very known for. So I feel like the the, you know, the jump them and funk them, pump them and funk them. That feels very George Clinton because of that sort of chant-like thing that he he's known for. That's that's not uncommon. But the um, and I, I also those words are interesting because even though he's saying pump them and funk them, the familiar colloquial expression is pump them and dump them. And so there's a very this is not a love making. This is not a relationship. We're not gonna get the whole you're so perfect, you're so wonderful posture of the outro of the of the former one. This one starts right off with, this is about fucking. Even though we're not mm-hmm. saying fucking, we're going to remove anything that sounds like otherwise, except for in one of the parts where Prince changes the lyric that we'll get to. But the um, as much as I love this version of the song, part of why I love it is because it confounded me. Because I kept listening... I, I had to I had to double listen because he's clearly saying funk. It's in the title he says funk, so I know he says funk. But every time he says it, I'm hearing funk. again remember i'm talking about like the very first time i heard this right so like right right seventh grade or eighth grade i can't remember sometime one of those somewhere in middle school because i got in trouble for playing this song for one of my female friends in middle school this was before the days of i could share a track with you over email i was literally playing it over the phone holding the phone to the speaker and letting her listen (laughs) to it and her dad came in the room was like what is that and it it didn't go well it did not go well for me um but at any rate because you know my mind had been opened i wanted to open minds too um, but what I found, <laughs> I'm a terrible person, but what I found so confounding was this was a song about sex. And before you get a good 20 seconds into it, you're talking about something as though it's an STD. Yeah. He's and that's just, what it throws me off. It's like, this is a little off putting. It's talking so off putting. Like you tested positive. And again, you know, putting it in the time frame. We're, you know, this is a nation that HIV. Yeah. yeah, we're very aware of AIDS and we're doing, you know, we're just starting to do the work of educating people on how, all the ways that you don't catch it because the frenzy of it and the, 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 the peak paranoia about it is around about this time, you know, because now we've moved from that time period where people thought it was a gay disease. You know, the very first uh, news reports about HIV referred to it as a strange cancer that only affected gay males. And then when we started, you know, by now we've had uh, uh, we've had Ryan White. We've been introduced to to figures and characters, and it's 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 impacted people's lives in a way that people were genuinely scared um, that it you know it could happen to it could happen to them. You could get it anywhere. You could get it from. I don't know if Magic Johnson had made his announcement yet, but like we're we're at that stage of frenzy, 
and George and Prince hit us with, I've tested, I'm testing positive for the funk. And then talks about mm. bodily fluid. Not even mm-hmm. one of the fun bodily fluids. Like, <laughs> it's just <laughs> gross. And then because I'm listening so hard, because I, it was a word that had at that time in my life recently entered my vocabulary, I was not sure he was saying cup. So I was like, uh. what, what is he going to pee in? Is he, can you do that? Why would you do that? I had so many questions. And it, <laughs> and when, uh, is it Rosie or is, uh, it can't be Mavis Staples. It's got to be Rosie who delivers the line later. I gladly pee in. Who is that? Because it's George at first. <laughs> Let me and see what the there. Prince Fault says. Is who's credited on that? Because a, a lot of like towards further in this song, there's a lot of um, pulled lines that are straight from the '83, '84 version. So you've got your Jill Jones still on background vocals. Okay. But according to this, it gives background voices to a whole mess of people, and I don't see Rosie or. Anybody, uh, I, yeah, it doesn't say, or if somebody it does say, with, it's yeah, somebody with a strong voice, yeah, somebody with one of those church lady voices comes in and says it. And when she sings it, I do not hear that pop, right? Like that plosive for cup, and it sounds like come. And I'm like, so we got P and come and testing positive all mixed into this song where someone is still, even though they're not saying fuck. They're still talking about fucking. It was at that time in my life one of the nastiest things that I'd ever heard. And it makes I it less sexy for me. It's less <laughs> sexy, but it's more nasty. And it's uh, and I guess. <laughs> it's like it's a that's what I mean. Like he doesn't say fuck as as a way to sort of tone it down, right? But it's not toned down at all. It's actually no. turned up. I guess, man. You I I guess. I got I gotta concede. You're right. You're right. But I because that whole section is just gross to me. Oh, it's um, gross. Yeah. And because what it what it what it what it gives me imagery of is somebody who's had a lot of sex and wants to get an STD test or STI test. You got to pee in the cup. They're going to test it. Oh, it's positive. You've got chlamydia. Gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hope that sex was great. <laughs> because Hope it was worth now. it. So I'm sorry, that is not a real sexy or it's 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 real, like it's a real thing. It's right. a real outcome of a real potential outcome of sex, but that doesn't make it something that I find arousing. <laughs> that's why and I feel like that's why I consider this song such a fuck you, maybe even to the label that he he toned it down by taking out the word fuck replacing it with funk doing it in that quasi ambiguous way where you have to listen really hard to make sure because every time it's stretched out it sounds different may have done the same thing with the word cup but then just you know because you can't i don't know what standards and practices or whatever else the label might have had in place but this these things that he's saying you're right they're not sexy but it makes the song nasty in a way that I don't think we can fuck ever was. And so whatever they were trying to avoid on one side in terms of it being objectionable and nasty, he drove the truck straight through that on this one. And it does speak to, I think, the, the, 
you know, the the sort of frenzy and 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 all of that of the previous version of the 1984 version that suggests this sort of uncontrollableness when it comes to sex, our our society, our standards kind of dictates that 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 sort of uncontrolled uh, hedonistic pleasure has to have consequences. And it almost feels like, to your point, you know, hope that sex was worth it. It feels like he's bringing those in here, but then also saying, but I don't care. I don't even care. I'm I'm out here for it. You know, <laughs> we, it's I'm not celebrating it as like, ooh, that shit turns me on. It was just <laughs> my, like, ooh, my nipples are hard. <laughs> he peeing in a cup. <laughs> but, but I am saying, like, there, for someone who was, again, at my age at that time, my ideas of what doing it were supposed to be were very, very limited. And this just, it was like, oh, holy shit, that's gross, but I can't stop looking. It was kind of that. And <laughs> as, yeah, and, yeah. As, and as I grew up, you know, with and through the song and started, you know, hearing other versions of it and as music changed and evolved and people got a lot more, a lot more nasty and a lot less creative with it. I got more to the point of, was this really necessary? But at the time it was just so mind blowing. Did, did he say that? Can you say that? But well, um, the, yeah, I, I was just going to say this, time. this song, this album got an explicit lyrics, parental advisory sticker. Yes, something that did. purple rain never got something. Well, that no other Prince album. Got. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, 1999 didn't get that because it didn't exist. This album got it. And I think it's solely because of this song. Probably. I was trying to think what other songs on there's um Love Machine no, Love Machine doesn't get anywhere near that dirty. And it's got to be this song, man. It's got to be, be We Can yeah. Funk. And and there's hardly any actual curse words on this song. Right. It's all I think it was like to your point like, I don't care that he didn't say fuck. And he only says funk. The tone of the song is identical to the 84 version. He's talking about sex, obviously. And then you've got like this, this whole testing positive and peeing in a cup and I'll pee some more. You know, once I test positive again, I'm just going to pee some more. And oh, probably right. they were listening to this and like, well, I mean, I'm sorry, Prince. Nice try, but we're still just going <laughs> to throw the sticker at you. Uh, you're trying to sticker. get over on us but <laughs> but but the song was on there it wasn't oh, yeah, so objectionable yeah. that they couldn't take it that they took it off there they i think oh that, not by 1990 man nwa had already come out two live crew had already come out this was nothing compared to that True. So, yeah but i mean again this was those were albums this was a soundtrack and that still well i mean was it was this officially called a soundtrack uh yeah it yeah, I mean, this is more of a soundtrack than Purple Rain was. True. If you but think Purple about Rain it, was it, actually called a soundtrack. And, it and was. I don't know if um, this one got that kind of billing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, yeah. There's a part that we talked about in the last song, and I really want to address his change. Because, yes. again, for this song being as nasty as, and, and objectionable as it is, uh, the man who in the previous song was comfortable saying sex between two people is all right, whether they're in love or not, changes it to if all the love in the world is what they've got, which is a really high bar for sex to be okay. <laughs> 
respect between two people is all right if all the love in the world is what they got. Or as long as they're not trying to hurt nobody, just as long as it's hot. Good lower yep. baby, I want to make love to you two times, maybe three. So, you know, instead of saying sex, or I mean, instead of saying fuck, he says funk or make love or whatever. But he still goes through the whole, I'll be a little baby, big strong man, boy, girl, your toy. It's A lot of this is very similar. He says electric ass and electric thighs again. Yeah. Um, it's very similar. I, it's not identical, but it's very similar. And he even uses the same, people tell me I got no taste. Let's blow the candle out and see if it's true. So he reuses that. But yeah, you're right. That that part, all the love in the world is what they got. As long as they're not trying to hurt or sex between two people is all right. If all the love in the world is what they got, that's a pretty significant change. Yeah. Especially in the middle of a song that has a very, very different tone. In that mm-hmm. previous song, if he had said that, then by the time we get to the denouement, right, the, the, the closing piece where he's having that conversation, that one-sided conversation, it would have fit that much better because it would have been like, oh, okay, well, by then his mind was blown and he, he knew that he was in love and it absolutely had to happen. All of that sex was now throughout the growth of the love, but that wasn't the case. Here, where even though we're not saying fucking, we're clearly talking about fucking, he adds this unusual caveat that love is necessary. And not just that they be in love, not just, you know, when two are in love kind of love, but all the love in the world, they have to be that kind of committed, which is a crazy level of, of emotional affirmation and commitment for a song that sounds and presents the way this one does. It's, it's, it, it almost sticks out as what the hell are you doing here? And the only way that I'm able to justify that in the context of, of the song and the time and everything else outside of knowing that Prince was a different Prince by now is thinking about the character that, that uh, the kid was involved with, who was, who was a literal or figurative angel mm-hmm. who was some version of an angel. And that, that was almost required of him. And what's really crazy to me when I think about her and because, you know, I said, I, I view this lens through the character that I think he's trying to present, which because these are, are connected to the films, I, it's it's the kid and, and whatever version of, of his, you know, his life journey that he's in. It's crazy to me that the, oh, you're so perfect. I love you so much. No, you're wonderful. You're great. You're everything that I'm not isn't in this song. Because in the story of Graffiti Bridge, that would have made so much more sense for the kid to to feel that way about this woman that he was pursuing in the story of graffiti bridge this version which is vulgar it, it, less profanity but more more vulgarity um this version that is is more vulgar feels like a disconnect doesn't feel like it should you know from a performance standpoint from a sonic standpoint makes sense for the time for a tonal from a tonal standpoint in terms of lyrics and the story that's being told this story does not fit that character Mm-mm. this story almost doesn't really fit that man cuz this isn't you know the prince of this time isn't you know celebrating out there fucking rampantly he's 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 presumably evolved or matured more um mm-hmm. but he's telling a different story here yeah yeah for sure 
And that's what makes this a little bit confusing addition to the soundtrack. I'm glad it's there because I like the song a lot, but uh, yeah, to me, it's, it's a little bit of an outlier um, from the songs that Prince was writing for Graffiti Bridge or that he reused, which is one of these. Uh, I think he just really wanted the song to, <laughs> to yeah. find a home. He just wanted the song to find a home. And um, and he figured out a way to make it happen and figured out like a way to get George Clinton involved without it sounding too, I don't know, I mean, without it being like uh, shoehorned in, I guess. Maybe you could say that he's a little bit shoehorned in. Uh, there's versions of the song that are perfectly fine without George, so it's not like this song wouldn't exist without George Clinton's influence and um, you know performance. Well, you know, it does, and it's it's okay. It's really good without George, too, but... Uh, it is what it is, and this is the version we got. But yeah, whether you like funk or funk, it's you know, there's no wrong answer. There's something <laughs> there's no wrong for answer. everybody. Just, something for everybody. But guess what? Blow out the candles, make a wish. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, make a wish. So we be funkin' over here, and over there ain't shit, but it doesn't matter because we, we have to close this episode out. So Fair uh, enough. <laughs> that's how the song ends, in case you, uh, you forgot. We be funkin' over here, and over there ain't shit, and they repeat that over again. So that's another time when they say a curse word. I'm like, God, did, it, did this song get an explicit lyric sticker just for the use of the word shit a few times at the end of We Can Funk? <laughs> I don't know. That seems pretty pretty harsh, but... It's got to be the content. I don't think it's that word. It's got to be the content. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be the content. All right, Julian. Thank you so much for joining me on this on this episode. It's been a blast talking about these two songs. Most and, definitely. <laughs> uh, I love your takes. I always love your takes. So anytime you want to be on the show, you're more than welcome to join. Do you have anything you want to share with the audience? Man, I can't plug a damn thing. All I'm trying to do is get this degree. I'm finishing up my MFA this year. And uh, after that, I'm, I might re-enter the real world and, and have some stuff to talk about. But right now, if you want to holler at me, you can find me on the Twitters at one Julian B. Long. And uh, yeah, please, by all means. Okay. Well, thank you again. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show, social media, um, so Twitter slash X, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, YouTube. PressRewind.net is the website. You can find the show as well. And until next time, thank you very much and goodbye.